Welcome to the Moonlight of Emunah, Parshas Bay. This week's learning should be as chos for a full shleima for Charna Masha Bas Vilcha, Ratz Bas Rachel, Shmuel Shazam, and Chavachavam, Nachem Mordechai Ben Ophira, Micha Chaim Ben Sara, El Nishmas, Henya Bas Yechiel Mechel. So, you know, in this space, we always like to discuss about the idea that every word of Torah, every word of, of, of Tanakh, every word of all, of all of Torah is relevant to every single Jew in every generation. And somebody pointed out to me last week in the Haftarah, uh, the Haftarah says in Yecheskel Per Choftes, Pasuk Beis, it says, Ben Adam Simponecha Al Paroi. Child of man, meaning human being, pay attention to Paroi. Turn your face to Paroi, Melech Mitzrayim, Vinavi, Allah, and prophesize against them, Vamitzrayim Kul, and against all of Mitzrayim. And so the, the the message in this Pasuk is that we need to learn even from Pare, that we could learn from, even from the stories of Pare, Hashem's interactions with Pare, Moshe's interactions with Pare, we could learn how to live our lives. So I want to share with you an idea that I saw from Shimshon David Pincus this week uh, on Parsha's Bay about the interaction between Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem via Moshe Rabbeinu and Pare, and what that means for each of us, and it starts off a little scary, but bear with us, and uh, we'll, we'll, we think we'll, we'll have a, a great solution to this at the end. So we know that the parasha opens famously by Yom Hashem Amayisha Bayal Pare Hashem says to Amayisha Go to Pare Kiani Hichpadti as Libra because I hardened his heart as Leir Avodav and the heart of his servants Laman Shisi Oisaisa Elo Bekirbe so I could display my signs uh, uh, amongst them. I, Hashem says Go to Pare He's not going to listen to you. Right? The lesson is a little bit funny. Go to Pare because I hardened his heart. But the explanation there is that Hashem wants to uh, show his power and to show the Jewish people the lessons of Amuna and Bitachon. So go to now the question is, I saw it quoted that the concept of hardening or toughening Pari's heart is mentioned at least 20 times. Sometimes Pari doing it to himself, sometimes Hashem doing it to Pari. But this concept of hardening the heart is mentioned at least 20 times by Pari. We also find this language other places, just for a couple of examples. We have this in, in Devarman Perak Beis, Pasek Lamed, when it's talking about Sicha and Melacheshbain, it says, Kihiksha Hashem Elekechas Ruchai, Hashem hardened, stiffened his heart. You have this in Yeshua also. Um, that Lechazik is Libam Likras HaMachama, that Hashem says that I'm going to strengthen their hearts, they'll come out to war. So we see this concept of Hashem hardening hardening the hearts. Now the problem we have with this is we juxtapose this against the Pasuk in Yecheskel, in Parak Lam and Gil Pasuk Yedalf, which says, Emer Aleim Chai Hashem says, say to them, as I live, Noam Hashem Elikim, right, I am Hashem, your God, Im Echbet Mez Rasha, I don't want that the wicked should die, Ki Im Beshuv Rasha Midarkai, that Rasha should return from his way, V'chai you should live, Shuv Shuv Come back from your evil ways. Why should you? Why should you die? Which means we know, and this is famous, that Hashem prefers Hashem prefers that a Russia do tshuva. So why is Hashem hardening the hearts of Paroi, specifically Paroi that we're dealing with, but Sichon and other cases in Tanakh? Why is Hashem doing this? So the the Medrash already deals with this in, in Shmois Rabbah. The Medrash says that Rabbi Yechon asks. He asks the question. That if, if Hashem hardened the heart of, of, of Parai, so it's going to give an opening for the Apikarsim to say that Hashem withheld tshuva from him, right? And, uh, and that's why Parai didn't do tshuva. And Rishlakish over there answers him and he says, Hashem says, I gave him plenty of chances. I gave him a chance the first time, the second time, the third time. He didn't want to do tshuva, right? The first five makas, Hashem did not harden Pari's heart, right? And he refused to do tshuva. So therefore, now I'm not going to let him do tshuva anymore. I let him do tshuva five times. He didn't want to do tshuva, so I'm holding it back from him. The problem that comes up is the famous Mishnah in Avis, Perakimol, Pasuk, um, Mishnah Tesvav, that it says that hakot safri, everything is foreseen, but freedom is given. That's the source of, of, of Bechir Chavshis, free will. Where was Paris free will? Where was Paris free will in all of this?
Even after five times, even as Rishlakish explains in the Medrash that after five times Hashem says, I'm not giving any more chances. But still, it sounds like Hashem took away his free will. Probably Hashem hardened his heart. He didn't have the free will. Okay, so this is discussed. Many answers are given. But I want to discuss one that on its face seems a little bit disturbing. But if we bear with it, we'll, we'll, we'll see some amazing insight. The Rambam tells us, now this is the Rambam in Hilchus Tshuva, which deals with Halacha Lamaisa, not Hashkafa, it's not Merenavuchim, uh, it's the Yad HaZokets in, in, in the Hilchus Tshuva. The Rambam tells us, uh, the Rambam discusses this idea a, a, a lot, and he, the idea of free will. And the Rambam in Perak Hay says that a person has full rights. He has the ability to decide if he's going to be good or bad. It's not preordained. A person does not have the a pre, it's not, he's not, preordained to either be a Rush or a Tzaddik. If a person wants, and his lesson is, he could be a Tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu or a Russia like Yeruvim ben Nevat. That's the Rambam's words. That's up to a person. And then the Rambam points out the obvious question. He says there are plenty, at the beginning of Perak Vav, he says there are many Pesukim that seem to say that this is not the case. And he says something very, very terrifying. He says, right, He says, if a person or a country does certain amount of Averis, a certain way, it could be that he has to be punished, and Hashem knows, right? And he goes on to say there are some Averis that have to be paid for but with his with one's body, with one's money, with his young children, and then he says some have to be paid for in this world, some have to be paid for in the next world. And then he says that it could be that a person did such a big Avera, or so many Averis, that the din is that... Uh, Here's the words of the Rambam. They hold back tshuva, and they don't allow him to do tshuva, so that he should die as a Russia the way he was. Now, the Rambam is saying that if a person, it sounds at least like the Rambam is saying, that if a person does tshuva, then repeats his avera, then does tshuva again, rinse and repeat, so Hashem will sometime, and Hashem punishes him, and he still repeats it, he could lose the ability to do tshuva. Now, that sounds like every, against everything we've ever learned, right? That a person could always do tshuva. And the Rambam is not saying this just about Pari. He uses Pari as an example. But, but he doesn't say this about Pari because it could happen to any one of us. And in general, the question that we're showing him in the Bali Musr is that if Hashem took away Pari's Bechira, his free will, so how could he be punished for his continued stubbornness? There's many answers that are given, as we mentioned before, that the first five makas, Pari's heart in his own heart, but there's something missing here. We need to understand this. And what we understand clearly from the Rambam, which is very concerning, is it's not limited to, to Pari. It's limited to any of us. But how, but how do we know? How could that be? We know that a Jew can always do tshuva, but the Rambam is saying, no, that Hashem could sometimes take away the ability to, to do tshuva. So, someone answered this because we showed him, maybe this is the sheet of the Rambam, and others say not that way that a person can always do tshuva, but that's a little bit hard to swallow, that the Rambam would, would agree with this. So, the question we have to understand is, what does free choice really mean? So, if Pincus, Rav Shimshutov Pincus has a beautiful idea, he has a beautiful idea, it's really groundbreaking, and it's, it, it's, I, I saw this a few years ago, I haven't had the chance to share it, but I really haven't been able to stop thinking about it since then. It changes our way of looking at Bechira and Tshuva, and generally Torah mitzvahs and our relationship with Hashem. So he says, what is, what is Bechira, what does free will really mean? Free choice, what does it mean, really mean? So if Pinka says, we, we understand this, what do we normally think of free will? We think of free will mean, means an animal, if it sees something that it normally eats, it has no choice, it just goes and eats it. It doesn't sit there thinking, should I eat it, should I not? A human being, we at least hope, says, is this kosher? Is it healthy? Is it too expensive? We have a choice. Even though this may be my favorite dish, it may not be the right thing for me to eat. I'm too full, right? We're not compelled to eat something just because it tastes good. We could choose to speak or not 
not to speak Lashnara. We could choose to give or not to give tzedakah. That's part, so he says, that's how we typically understood Bechira. And he says that is part of Bechira. It's a very important part of Bechira, but that's not the whole story. He says, because sometimes a person doesn't have, doesn't appear to have the freedom to choose, but he's still Baal Bechira. Let's say somebody's in jail. So a lot of things he can choose to do. Is he not considered Baal Bechira? He's still Baal Bechira. What does that mean? So what does Bechira mean? What does free choice, free will mean? So human Bechira has to go beyond. It means that Hashem gives the person the ability, in the Rambam's words, to be a Russia like a or a tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu. Now that doesn't mean I could be exactly like Moshe Rabbeinu or Yeruvah Menorah. Yeruvah Menorah was a king. I'm not a king. I can't do the things that Yeruvah. I can't order order people to be killed. I can't be Moshe Rabbeinu. Hashem is not allowing me to come to Har Sinai. But it means I can be as purely evil as Yeruvah, or as purely good with whatever with my set of talents and abilities. But I have the ability to be purely good like Moshe Rabbeinu or purely evil like Yeruvah Menorah. Which means in order to have real bechira, in order to have real free choice. It has to be within my ability to be purely good or purely evil. Now, whether I'll get there is a different story, but I have to have at least that ability. It has to be possible. So what does it mean to be purely evil? How could a person be purely evil? In order to be purely evil, it has to include my ability to destroy myself completely in this world and the next world. I have to be able to do that. But that's not possible because Hashem gave us tshuva. With the, with, with the invention of tshuva, I can never be purely evil. Because purely evil is only to a point. I can always do tshuva and, and no longer be purely evil, right? It's like a person tries to kill himself. He's going to jump into a deep pit that he can't get out of and uh, he'll, he'll starve to death. But there's a ladder sitting there. That's not suicide then. He's not killing himself by jumping in. So if there's always a way out through tshuva, how could I be purely evil? In order to have true bechira, I have to have the ability to, to somehow not be able to do tshuva even if I want to. I have to be able to choose some action that will take away my ability to do tshuva. Hashem says this is possible through Pari. As the Rambam described, Pari was too far gone. Hashem took away his, his ability to do tshuva. Hashem said no more. He was destined to drown the Yamsaf. Once he got to a certain point, once he repeated, ignoring Moshe's warnings from Hashem repeatedly, so he lost his ability to do tshuva. So Repenka says it's like somebody, let's say, borrowed a lot of money uh, with ribis. And now it comes to Kipper. Kippur, he wants, to, he wants to do tshuva. But he has no money. So he doesn't have the ability to do it. He gave up his ability to do tshuva, right? Because he doesn't have, he spent the money, he doesn't have the money to do it. Think about, in other terms, history's worst villains, a Hitler, a Stalin, a Genghis Khan. They, they got to a point where you kill so many people, you had such pure evil. Hashem says, I no longer want your tshuva. I no longer want your tshuva. It's not going to happen. But in order for each of us to have Bechira, we have to be able to get to that point. We have to be able to get to the point where we're no longer capable of tshuva. Now, the good news is when we don't choose that, we get rewarded for that. So anytime we haven't said, I no longer, I, I'm not at that point where, I've, where I've, 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 I've given up on tshuva. But based on the Rambam's words, there's still a concern that we may do something over and over again that takes away our right to tshuva. So what do we, so, so what do, we do from this? What, what do we do with this? So one of the famous Gemaras that comes up every year in Kippur is the Gemara in, in Yuma Dav Pei Vavam Beis that talks about that Reish Lokish says that Shuvah is so great that it turns somebody's uh, intentional sins into involuntary sins, right? And then he says, uh, then the Gemara quotes another statement from Reish Lokish that it turns his, uh, his intentional sins into mitzvahs. So Gemara says, how does that, how is that? We have, we, either it turns into unintentional sins or into mitzvahs. So when it says, one is talking about uh, tshuva me'ahava, tshuva out of love, and one is talking about tshuva me'yura, tshuva out of fear. Now what's the difference between these two tshuvas? So Rav Pincus gives a, a, an example. Imagine I come over to you and I ask you for $100. I'm your friend. You feel bad for me. I need $100 for a reason. You give it to me. Right? That's scenario A. Now scenario 
peeves, I come over to you and ask you for $100. You say no. So I pull a gun, I put it to your head, and I say, give it to me. And you give it to me. Now, in both cases, you gave me $100. But there's a huge difference. In the first case, you gave it to me because we're friends, because you love me, and you want to give me a gift. It was your action. In the second case, you gave it out of fear because you don't want me to shoot you. Really, you didn't give it to me at all. You weren't acting. You had no choice. It was really me holding the gun to your head who took the $100. You didn't give it to me. It wasn't your choice to give it to me. You gave it to me because, because I, I basically forced your hand, literally. What's tshuva or tshuva from fear? Tshuva means I know that I did things wrong. I spoke Lashnara. I read something about what happens to people who speak Lashnara. I don't want that to happen to me. So I do tshuva. That is really Hashem acting, right? That's Hashem acting. That's not me acting. Hashem is, pa- is threatening me. It's Hashem is putting the gun to my head. It's Hashem acting. Tshuva me'ahava, if I do tshuva out of love, means what? I look and I say, I did this aveil. I feel really bad. I know how much Hashem loves me, how much I love Hashem. I feel really bad. I want to fix it. That is not Hashem forcing me. You can't force somebody to love. I can't force you to love me. I can force you to fear me. I can't force you to love me. Says with Pincus, everything we're talking about with relation to Paroi is... Is Tshuva Meira. Tshuva Meira. Paro was not somebody who loved Hashem. As a matter of fact, he says, "Who's this, who's this Hashem? I don't know who Hashem is." Right? He doesn't love Hashem. But Paro will act out of fear. Once you go far enough and you show that you're not interested, Paro ignores Hashem the first five makas. Hashem says, "I no longer want want that. I don't longer want to act through you. I'm not no longer interested in forcing you in. I don't I don't I don't like you enough. I don't feel a connection enough to you to force you to act out of fear. I'm not going to do that anymore." Hashem Kaviyochel is fed up. I tried five times to force you. I hit you five times at the first five markers. You're not interested? I'm not interested either. Hashem takes away the ability of Tshuva Meira. But Tshuva Meira, out of love, that's always available. And that has to be available because I always have the right to choose to love Hashem. So even if I've lost my ability to do Tshuva Meira, I can't, by nature, in Bechira, lose my ability to, to love Hashem. You can't take that away. If I choose to love Hashem, if Paolo would have chosen to love Hashem and to recognize Hashem that way, that it can't be taken away from him because that's part of his Bechira. You know, in the Mark of Bar at the end of last week's parasha, the Briskarov says that if you look at the Psukim, Moshe warned Paray to take everything indoors because these firestones, these hailstones, were going to destroy were going to destroy everybody who's outdoors. Now, these hailstones, if you look at Chazal, were big enough to crash through roofs. So the Briskarov explains this was a test. The bar could have broken through the roofs. Hashem was said in a way that the roof, I'll let the roofs protect you. Only those who stay outside will be killed. And then Hashem caused a weird reaction in the Egyptians. Right? He, t- he said, if you're only afraid of these hailstones, you won't be able to go inside. You won't be able to move, you'll stay outside. Hashem will said, when they saw them coming down, they go, no, it's not real, it can't be. That's what happened. Right? Only those, what does the Pesach say in Perak Tes, Pesach Chav? Only those who were not afraid of the hailstones, they were afraid of Hashem, they, they brought their slaves and their, and their cattle into safety. Right? And, and this is similar, we see in this week's parasha, in Perak Yud, Pesach of Gimel, by the Makkah of, of Choshech. They couldn't move, they were frozen. Those who don't want to believe in Hashem, they don't want to, they don't want to relate to Hashem, the, the ones who are afraid of Hashem, those can protect themselves. But if they're afraid of hailstones, they can't protect, protect themselves. And that's called Choshech. People cannot move. They can't move from their place.
Rupinkus tells a story, and he says it was a very sad story. He was standing at the Kaisel, and it's a chassan davani mincha there on the day of his wedding. On the day of his wedding, and he can't find kavana. He, he misses the whole Shema And he desperately wants it, but he can't, he can't bring himself to do it. So Rupinkus said, I watched this, and I said, you know what, for the last hundreds of, of Shema Esrei's, you didn't have kavana. Now all of a sudden you want kavana? Hashem says, I waited for you all those times. Now I'm not giving you that ability. I'm not acting for you anymore. Okay, so what do we do if we find ourselves in those situations? There are things we've tried to do tshuva so many times and it doesn't seem to t- stick. It feels like we're in a powerless situation where Hashem took away that uh, that ability. But we know famously in Yiddishkeit there's Ein Yish Bolam Klal. So, so how, do we, how do we explain this? So... Even if a person is in this, hopefully it's extremely rare, it doesn't happen too often that Hashem takes away our doing tshuva. But we still can we still can do it, and we always have to try to do tshuva, even in the year it's so much better than not doing tshuva at all. But, let's say we get to this point, and we can't seem to access tshuva in the year. it seems like Hashem took it away. What do we do? So it says with Pincus, you know what we have to do? We have to change ourselves instead of our actions. Changing actions could come from tshuva in the Changing ourselves only comes from Ahava. So he says, a person spoke so often, and now he finds it impossible. But he hears, oh, this, the, the, he finds it impossible to do the tshuva, but he hears that there's so many bad things that are going to happen. Hashem says, you know what, I don't think you really want to be better. I was me who put this scared thought in your head, and I don't feel like bringing you back right now. So what do you do? You change yourself. How do you do that? So, there's a so he gives the example of somebody who wants to, he's in yeshiva, and first say during yeshiva is from 9 to 1, and this can be applied to any area. But this is the example he gives, so I'll stick with that that he wants to learn from 9 to 1 he really wants to learn well so instead he and, and now uh He's afraid if he doesn't learn well, he's not going to get a good shidduch or something else is going to happen, right? So he decides he's going to learn for five hours. From nine to one, he's not going to get out of his chair. He's going to learn. Rapinkas says, that's great, but that's changing your actions, not yourself. But if he were to work on himself so that he loves Torah, then he doesn't look at this as like a chore, I have to do something. Appreciation for Torah, then will change everything. And you know how you can, you can push that on yourself? I'm not going to show up at nine o'clock. I'm going to show up at five to nine. And I'm not going to get up at one o'clock. I'm going to get up at five after one. That's only 10 minutes a day. But that shows that he that he now is working on himself to change his relationship with Torah. That's changing who he is, not what he does. Because when you love something, you crave it, you want more of it. You don't want to leave it. Not that a person doesn't need breaks, but he wants more of it. So it looks like he's changing his deeds, but really what he's doing is changing himself. He's changing his attitude towards it. And this is with everywhere. Instead of thinking, I'm not going to speak Lashon Hara today, but from this time to this time, a person has to change his attitude going, saying, Hashem loves me so much, how could I dare speak Lashonar when Hashem gave me this mouth? We have to change who we are, not what we do. That's the difference in Tshuva Meir or Tshuva Meir When we change that attitude with that, that, it's never too late. That is in Yish Balam Klal. And there the Rambam can go along with all the other Rishonim and agree that there's no, that Tshuva, it's never too late. Tshuva Meir, like Pali wants to do Tshuva because he doesn't want, he doesn't want to get killed. That Hashem says, I don't want to offer you anymore. But Tshuva Meir uh, the way a Jew does tshuva, because deep in our souls, we really don't want to disappoint Hashem. We really love Hashem. We want to be connected to Hashem. That Hashem never takes away from us. Okay, I apologize for uh, for going over a little bit today, but this was uh, something I thought was really important to share. I wish you all a wonderful, beautiful Shabbos.